0: Jonathan Dowdall says, "But how can you trust them? Like as in the Kinnahans, if you're going into a peace process, yeah. you know you'll get complacent, and, and the consequences for your family are that they'll be wiped out essentially." Jerry Hutch says to him, "Yes, there's a you know there's an awful lot to consider, and we have to consider the Kinnahans' capabilities." Um, Jonathan Dowdall says, "A lot of people think them as to be a big army, so there's so many of them." I'm Nicola Tallant, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld, in Ireland and across the globe. Conversations between Gerry the Monk Hutch and State Witness Jonathan Dowdall were played in the Special Criminal Court today, in extraordinary evidence, the admissibility of which is still being disputed. In the bugged surveillance chats, the pair talked about everything from the Regency hotel attack to Dublin singer Imelda May. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about listening to the conversations as the pair made their way to Northern Ireland for meetings with paramilitaries. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So it's very clear, by the way, and we are in the court. The court's really full, but there's, um, you know, there's a transcript running on the screen. Okay. Very difficult to take down yep. the notes for verbatim. So everybody is a little bit...
1: So it's 10 hours of recording from start to finish going yeah. to be played in court.
0: But it seems like in some some of it he doesn't talk. Now I have to say, Jonathan Dowdall will give you a pain in the face, <laughs> right? Yeah. He never stops talking, SH1T.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm being stuck in a car with anybody for 10 hours <laughs> that keeps talking is, is tough. But I mean you can it's clear anyway they definitely didn't know they were being recorded.
0: Definitely not. But yeah. I mean Dowdall like there's bits of it that are important and of interest, but a lot of it is Dowdall's just general commentary and he's a very um showy person. He's obviously trying to impress Jerry Hutch. Yeah. He's talking about he did this and he did that and he put the heavy on this one and he did that and yeah. you know he's he wouldn't come across as probably the brightest
1: spark. No. Um, but certainly attempting to impress Jerry and keep him...
0: Yeah, and generally, generally irritating. Yeah. Anyway, they start off, the two of them are talking about, there's two individuals they're talking about. There's a guy called Fish and uh, he's and a guy called Wee. We've heard of Wee before, but we've never identified him in the trial.
1: So these are obviously... One of the dissident.
0: paramilitary types, yeah. 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 So Fish is pushing them uh, to do something. It's not clear exactly what he's pushing them to do. And Jerry Hutch is kind of saying to Dowdall, well, the, you know, they're still knocking on doors, which I took that to be the police, that yep. there was still a lot of kind of uh, heat on them. And Jonathan Dowdall is kind of saying to him, yeah, look, your man, Fish is a bit of a gobshite and, um, you know, so don't mind. as well
1: at one point. Exactly.
0: Ago. And Jerry Hutch says he's probably looking for a blue Peter badge yeah. about Fish that he's obviously so anxious to, you know, to... Uh, to do or to get them to do whatever it is they're talking about. Um, Jerry Hush tells a story about a guy called John McCann known as the Fox, a 76-year-old man who broke into a friend of his house and he's been asked to go and, you know, sort this situation out. And at least this is the story I think he, he believes he can go to the North with. Okay. Should he be maybe apprehended or asked or whatever, or if he needs a cover, the story is about the Fox who's but stolen something from somebody he knows and somebody in Lanzarote has asked him to kind of sort it out. Okay. Um, Like dipping into any conversation, I'm sure if anybody dipped into our conversation,
1: I mean, they wouldn't they, know. they wouldn't be enlightened by much, all right? <laughs> they might <laughs> no. be.
0: But they also wouldn't know what we're talking about. No. Like, they're clearly two people who know...
1: Who have ties. I mean, that's what's yeah. been heard, that they, they're interconnected through marriage for generations and that's, they presume, they're starting from that point where everybody knows everybody in, in this conversation. You this know? is it. You're, yeah. you're
0: not going to, nobody's stopping a tape and explaining to you who these people are. But one of the first names I think that jumped out at me and they're talking about it is Pierce Macaulay.
1: Yeah. I mean, Pierce Macaulay obviously is one of the people who ended up in prison in connection with the death of uh, a police officer in Limerick called Jerry McCabe. Pierce Macaulay was, he was certainly uh, a member of the provisional IRA at that stage and he went to prison for a number of years. It was one of the most high-profile killings of the last, you know, fifty years. I would say, um, he the 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 guard came along on, on a provisional IRA cell who were uh, involved in a bank robbery, and he was subsequently shot dead. Now, Pierce McCauley then. Um, after, they were all released under the they terms were all of the released, Good Friday Agreement, were they, they? They were all released uh, under... Yeah, they were released anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy, but, I mean, Pierce Macaulay, unlike a couple of the others, really became a pers- persona non grata within the Republican movement for two reasons. Um, he was involved in a very, very horrific domestic violence case. Mm. Very um, brutal. Um. Uh, his, remember meeting his wife. Yes, yeah. and she's, she's a currently... Uh, a sitting TD for Sinn Féin. Um, And then also, while in prison in Castlereagh, uh, he was caught uh, selling drugs. Now, small amounts of of prescription tablets, but nonetheless, Mm -hmm. not not exactly a Republican of good standing, you would have thought. No. Bit of a head case,
0: I think he's known as, isn't he? Yeah, very much. And I wonder uh, which... organisation, if any, he's still in because Jonathan Dowdall says to, during this chit-chat, this endless chit-chat actually from Dowdall, he says to Hutch that if you ever need meetings with others, if you never need them set up, Pierce will do them for you. He knows them all. You just have to ring him and he'll, you know, say the word basically and he'll ring and make those uh, meetings happen.
1: Yeah, certainly Pierce McCauley's not on any Republican wings in prison or Mm. hasn't been there you go so anyway
0: he was a name you know it's a, a little bit with the Dowdall stuff there's a lot of names been thrown out it's like as if he's showing off nearly yeah. in a way to hutch his, the, this elder kind of gentleman that he has in the car with him and he's you know the state's case, of course, is that they went north of the border to organise to get those AK-47s back to the Republicans after the Regency hotel shooting of David Byrne. Um, so, they, they move then to Doubt all against talks about this odourless putty that he says that the monk should keep in his pocket. And he talks about the detonator and the chemical reactor. And he talks about these electrical pulses that all need to go together. Now, presumably they're the components of a bomb. Yep. Um, and Jerry Hutch says to him well what happens if we, if you put it under a motor car and Dowdall says to him well it would take the bottom off the car he says to him what if you put it in a building and Dowdall says to him well if you put it in a, in a restaurant it would blow the floor off
1: Extraordinary. I mean, absolutely extraordinary. Dipped
0: into the middle of an or like a kind of, you know, how's the weather today or how are are things with you conversation. Um, And again, it's sort of like a little bit of a conversation out of context. Did they pick up on something they were talking about before? It sort of just dropped into these recordings. Uh, My God, the media is important to them.
1: Yeah.
0: And like to set the scene here. Jerry Hutch has obviously just arrived into Dublin. He's flown into Dublin Airport. He's been away somewhere. We're talking about the 7th of March. So the Regency happens on the 5th. And his brother's funeral, Neddy Hutch's funeral, which was on the, around the 11th, I think. Am yeah. I right, or was it after that? Yeah. But anyway, that was the last time we kind of saw him. So he he talks about that he came back into Dublin Airport and he's met by two members of the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Two officers approach him and they say to him, Jared, we'd like to ask you about your whereabouts on the day of the Regency Hotel, and he tells Dowd all that. They tell him that they're just trying to tick a box and yep. he doesn't really give them an answer. He goes into a big rigmarole about why you should never answer anybody under caution because they're basically telling you not to. He goes into really the kind of the Jerry Hutch that we think we know. Yeah. The sort of smart ass, the guy yep. who Gets the better of...
1: Yeah, always careful, always mm, one step ahead, I suppose. uh, Yeah,
0: so he doesn't kind of answer them and yet he does not answer them. He doesn't basically tell them anything, he says. But he's telling him about that and so so Dowdall is kind of filling him in on what has happened and what has been in the media. And he says to him, uh, what about the story about the key in the door? Uh, You know, was that true? Now... Most people in that courtroom wouldn't have known what that was and remember back.
1: No, because it refers to a story um, in the Sunday World. I think it was on the front page at the time. Maybe three weeks after the Regency was it? It was certainly a couple of weeks after. And we oh, went yeah. up, called into Jerry Hutch um, to see if he wanted to comment, as we as we do. I think Pat O'Connell. Pat O'Connell called, called, called up to in. The house. He called in, knocked on the door, uh, left the note, and um, there was no answer. Uh, but the door
0: pushed open, for him, didn't
1: it? He, the door pushed open, and he said there was, there was a key just there, which was amazing at the time. If you consider the, the level of threat that Jerry Hutch was under, and we took a picture of it. Yeah. And that was the case. I mean, it's, it's it's it's. I
0: actually think that when Pat came back to the office or rang back to the office to say that he'd sort of got there, the door was ajar and he'd yeah. sort of he'd sort of vaguely pushed it open and, and called in. Nobody'd answered him. I think we thought oh my goodness, has something happened like there? Um, I think we alerted certainly either an associate of, of, of Hutch's or maybe the Guardian at the time. I certainly do recall we discussed and maybe made a phone call about it.
1: But interesting. Well, so tell us what he said. So What he said was, no, it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? When you, when you, you know, it just shows you, of course, that... Of course, it was because to, because,
0: because Dowdall says to him, "Well, whatever." It looked as if you didn't care. You looked really mad, like as if you didn't care, as if this was a master plan. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it just shows you, doesn't it, the the, the two steps ahead, but he can still forget his key yeah. which I can't judge him because I forget my key on a weekly basis and I've and often lose left my the wallet of on a door week, open absolutely 100% I've left
0: the car running the car doors open and I've gone into the house like I mean yeah. regularly do that regularly
1: so, so he could be a strategic trinker Jerry Hutch but he's yeah. capable of forgetting his key
0: or else um, he's just hassled like the rest of us there certainly yeah. was back then but anyway that was interesting but that the media thing about what's been in the media keeps coming up again and again yeah. um, they're referring to it actually they're taking you know we, we sort of forget how and the other side is the same and we've often been told that yeah. that they do very much take on board what is in the media which is why it's so important to get things accurate yeah and to not be fed aligned from either side in any feud
1: absolutely and they have put huge huge resources into trying to feed lines into the media at times, both sides.
0: They have. And, I mean, they come at you in all sorts of ways on encrypted messaging on your phone, on emails. They come at you with very intricate information that looks as if it couldn't be anything but accurate. But in actual fact, it's it's propaganda.
1: Yeah. And um, it's to make a point that they think is important to make.
0: Yeah, because you often kind of think, I know you and I have often had conversations. I mean, sure, Daniel Kinna doesn't give it two hoots what's yeah. in the Sunday world. but. Yeah you know, in this case, it's very clear that Gerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall were very aware of everything that was in every paper and they were taking it on board. Just to to finish on the media point, Jonathan Dowdall actually turns around to Hutch and says to him, you know, there couldn't even be a fair trial because it's all been in the media. There isn't a day goes by that it's not in the media. You've been away kind of pal, but I'm telling you, it's all over the media.
1: Yeah, well, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. There's a fair
0: fair trial going on there
1: now, isn't there? Yes, it doesn't work like that. If somebody's not charged anything that is said up to that point really can't be uh, put prejudice at trial. I mean, it's just never happened in the history of the Irish state.
0: Now, if you remember um, after the Regency and amidst a lot of those sort of early murders that happened, and of course there was you know very quick succession of Eddie Hutch, then there was uh, Noel Duggan was murdered around the Easter time in the March, and that followed on with Gareth Hutch's murder in the April, and I Think and I hope I'm not forgetting was Martin O'Rourke, the homeless chap. Yes. He was killed, I think, very early on as yeah, well. He
1: was killed in a case of wrong, uh, wrong identity, really.
0: Yeah. So there was there was um, all of those murders were going on, but in the middle of it, what happened was, um, one of the Ryan brothers was shot very yes. shortly after the
1: Regency. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes Finny Ryan is it was the brother of Alan Ryan, maybe a lesser light, but certainly a a member of of. The dissident group, uh, an active member, and um, it's sometimes considered a feud murder. Um, but in the longer term, um, it's probably slightly disconnected from it, though. It does seem that it was a Kinan cartel hit,
0: yeah. Um, so they talk about it, they talk about it now again it's possibly something they've spoken about before so they're not totally explaining or certainly Jonathan Dowdall isn't totally explaining. But he talks about Vinnie Ryan's murder and Alan Ryan, and he says that the two of them annoyed the old provost. They're sort of speaking about them on the basis of what went on. And he, he later comes back and tells this big rigmarole of a story about how he was called out to the Kilbaric area where there was a family. The father of the family was in the army and they, they'd been terrorised by younger Vinnie Ryan and his associates who had kind of like, they were sitting on their uh, wall outside their house and they were kind of like, I don't know, they were really terrorising these people. And he was called in to try and handle it, presumably as a public representative. So he says he goes along to see Ryan and he brought with him um, a man by the name of Black Anto. Yeah. or Anto Anto Bundoran, who owed the panda 20 grand and knew how to handle himself. Yeah. This is what was said. Uh, and he brings him along with him and he goes in and uh, he he calls Alan Ryan and he says to Alan Ryan, now I want to see your brother. And he they basically have this meeting and the long and the short of the story is that he tells the Ryans that he'll bleed and kill them. Yeah. And they're to back off this family and they all kind of back off because... Dowdall has told because him to. Because of his connections. Well clearly that's what he's saying. Yeah. Now you know it's obviously very difficult to
1: no, I mean, say whether but, that actually
0: happened or not but that's what he's saying.
1: But, but if you do look back and what really did happen with Alan Ryan was and what was always said was that Alan Ryan although he was a you know member of the real IRA what was always said was that the criminals had killed him. You know, some of the people associated with a man known as Mr. Big kind of got the okay from the north. Oh right. That from Republicans in the North that they kind of got the nod that mm. that they weren't going to um conduct a campaign of revenge and that Alan Ryan had fallen foul of them really and that had stepped on too many toes. And that was always said, obviously unlike this, there's no conversations from that meeting, but that was always said that that Mr. Big and his associate had gone up and got the the nod well we, we won't interfere mm. you know who knows so maybe
0: Doubt all is you know 100% terrifies well, terrified the rhymes well, and got them well, to back off
1: you know yeah
0: maybe Um. anyway they, they keep driving up the road and by the way we're all still in the south at this point okay. then Jerry Hutch starts talking about uh, Daniel Kinahan and he basically says, now I don't have the exact quote here, maybe you recall mm-hmm. it, not that he'd be rattled. It's it's that. Uh, he looks wrecked, I think. He looks, there. oh, his head's wrecked. Yeah, yeah, that was it. His head's, he looks, and again, these are from photographs in the media. He looks like his head's wrecked. He says, if somebody came, some see you next Tuesday, actually is what he said, <laughs> came running a- at you with an AK 47 and you got away by the skinnier teeth. He says, if he wasn't in an awful way, uh, then he's definitely disturbed. Yeah. So in other words, he sort of gets him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, for being in that, you know, obviously the pictures would have been the ones.
1: Well, they probably would have been the ones of him come, uh, Daniel coming. Coming the airport. Came back in the yeah, airport. as well. did look well, and he did, yeah. he did, he did look stressed out, and he yeah. actually gave a comment. I think, leave me alone, or something I think there a bit like of a that. Was there a row something? with
0: photographers and Freddie Thompson yeah, was involved Freddie Thompson and everything? Was, yeah. So at one, they, they talk about this and Jonathan Dowdall at one point says, oh, sure, the, K- the Kinnhans are, he's referring to the Kinnhans. It's not a direct quote, but he sort of says they're finished. Um, they talk about how they're under a huge amount of pressure in England. And in particular, uh, Jerry Hush says that the, uh, the SOCA, which actually I don't think existed, SOCA yeah. would be the serious organised crime. Uh, agency agency, and I think it had been disbanded at that point but they were very feared in their day by UK criminals and he says they're all over them and he says um, you know uh, he says that uh, oh yeah Jonathan Dowdall says the police here in Ireland don't have a clue about the regency they don't know what's going on Hutch says no one knows who the hit team are he's talking about he says the hit team don't know each other yeah he said, and he's referring to the cops, they're definitely 100% who the man and woman are, but the rest is just speculation.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and Jerry Hutch, a direct quote from him, he says, the cops are going around like headless chickens. I mean, little did he know because they were at this point, well, I mean, they were all over them, literally. They yeah. had a bug in the car, picking up everything he was saying.
1: Sure, following him as as he moved yeah. All the, all those weeks, you know.
0: I'm sure they, you know, it sounds so stupid. I'm sure he's kicking himself when he hears himself back now, as he's sitting in the dock in the special criminal court, charged with murder, and he's been so cocky about how nobody knows what's going on in the with the regency yeah. and all. You know, it's it's amazing. Nobody wants their conversations recorded, do they? No, it at wants any time it. no, no, later no, no.
1: Yeah, there before the grace of God. Except for us,
0: because of course we are actually doing that just at the moment. <laughs> yes. But yeah. anyway. Um, Yes, they have a little discussion about stuff being kept in the village. That's Buckingham Village. Uh, Jonathan Dowdall sort of basically says that he thought Patsy was a bit stupid keeping stuff in the village, in in the village. And we know that, of course, the states say that that Buckingham Village was used as a kind of a headquarters, as such, of operations today at the Regency. That the three cars came in in convoy are certainly left in convoy to yeah. kind of go do this. Um, now, interesting, see what you think about this. Jonathan Dowdall at one point talks about a Trevor who he says is in a caravan in Wexford. He initiates this conversation with Hutch, right? Yeah. And he's, he's, they've talked about this sort of bomb, the components of bombs. I, I presume this is what they're referring to here again when, when Dowdall says to him, you know, you should start letting a few off. He talks about a Trevor who's in a caravan in Wexford. He knows where he is because something to do with a member of his family, a female member, knows somebody who knows where he is. Yeah. Uh, he says he has the address at home and he says to Hutch, you could lift that in the middle of the night as in sort of blow it up. Yeah. It's what I got the impression from. Now, Trevor in Wexford caravan.
1: Yeah. So, well, we presume he's talking about Trevor Byrne, who... If you, if you remember, Trevor Byrne was one of the people arrested f- uh, for the murder of the monks' brother, Neddy Hutch. Never prosecuted, yeah. never prosecuted. And that's why he
0: was hiding out that time?
1: That's why he was hiding out. He, at that point, although it wasn't clear who anybody was, Trevor Byrne was one of the names being put forward a lot by people. He was arrested, never charged. He's currently serving a very lengthy sentence for weapons offences and for an armed robbery. Trevor Byrne would have been... The Kinnehan Cartel franchise holder, I suppose, for the Finglas area. Yeah. One of the most feared criminals, I'd say, in the city. And somebody that Daniel Kinnahan had been meeting mm-hmm. in the run-up to the Regency and in, in the aftermath, it is believed. So, Trevor Byrne... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 we always did hear... He was he he, was in a...
0: I remember that. it yeah. was in a caravan site because I kind of knew somebody who had a... It was mobile home site rather yeah, than a caravan yeah. site. It was quite posh. Yeah, yeah. I knew somebody who had one and I was going, oh, you'd be <laughs> delighted to know who your new neighbour is. Um, I should have said to you just before that, so at it's at that point they talk about, Trevor, that the car goes into the north of Ireland. So all we've said before that is happening in the south. Yeah. But the car definitely goes into the north. From and this can, point... From this point on.
1: And how long is that in?
0: Well, you see, this is, the whole lot is, we've only had a certain portion of it. So we've only had about an hour and a half today. There's 10 hours. Yeah. And this is uh, still within that first portion and we've gone into the north. So it's really only about an hour. You see, I suppose it only takes an hour to drive. Yeah. Up, well, an hour and...
1: An hour and a bit, I suppose, if you're leaving Yeah. North Dublin, you're, you Straight get there. The and one or whatever, I don't know. If that's and the by the time
0: going. you go over at Newry, you're not even trying to get to Belfast, you're yeah. just trying to go over the border, it's an hour. Yeah,
1: so at this point then, this is going to be the controversial bit, is it? Yeah. yeah. What is? So we, you've heard it in court today, which which is unusual, but it's, and you're only hearing it because it's a special criminal court, If yeah. that would be in a normal jury trial.
0: There's no way you'd hear it.
1: There's no way you'd hear it. So from this point on, then you hear what's recorded in, in the, the north. north. Yeah. And that there is going to be an argument about whether any of that is admissible. Yeah. Is that right?
0: Yeah, or whether the tracking device is, was if the tracking device was used to track the car in the north, seems yeah. to be the bigger issue than this audio. Because is the audio like contained within the car? Do you know what I mean? Is the warrant for the car and does it matter where the car is? Now, it'll be up to the judges, well, obviously, mean, re- and not me to decide <laughs> No, this, no, but
1: no. Well, we don't know, of course, because yeah. we're not lawyers, but you would have thought that...
0: It's all to do with the tracking and the recording happening in the north, in not in our jurisdiction. It is all about that. Or,
1: or are they going to admit that as evidence, or are they just going to admit what was recorded in the south? But anyway, this this is these are all the legal issues that are going to be.
0: Yeah, but for the moment, I suppose we just say at this point the car is now in the north, yeah. right? So they have that conversation about it, uh, Trevor. Then they talk about Dubai, where again Jonathan Dowdall gives us a fantastic big long story about Dubai and how he knew somebody that was there, and there was some young one in a hotel room or an apartment and she next to nothing on and she wasn't the wife and if you know the police had come in was the, this person going to be arrested and he knew somebody else who was mm. caught with a small amount of hash and they could have been thrown into jail and waffle 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 and Jerry Hutch like I have to say for some of it he just goes mm, yeah and you just have ideas. What, of, so it's
1: t- 30 or 40 words to one is it? <laughs> you, literally, you just have kind of an
0: idea that he's looking out the window going I wish this fellow would shut up and yeah. um, then anyway, Jonathan Dowdall then starts talking about the uh, the the, the oh, yeah, that he talks about this is obviously when he's a Sinn Fein representative and he's coming, they're coming up to election. Now, he went for local election, didn't he? Well,
1: he was he was a low, he was a councillor, he was a in councillor. local, in, he was elected as a, a local representative. Okay, it so WS1 it must have been councillor.
0: coming up to that or something. Yeah. He says that the sh- two representatives of, of Sinn Fein started asking him questions about a row he had with his uncle. I kind of think this is some story relating to some family wedding or something and he was supposed to have beaten up the uncle yeah. which I'm sure is not libelous to say considering he has waterboarded some man who tried to Yes of course and the, um,
1: the uncle obviously was an innocent victim in that case
0: in The uncle something there was some story like that knocking around about him actually but uh, so he, he says he asked these representatives are you asking on behalf of yourself or an organisation and he later tells Jerry Hutch I pulled Mary which is obviously Mary Lou MacDonald to yeah. have a word in her ear Yeah
1: So, I mean, that would be standard practice, probably for any party, but obviously in Sinn Féin's case, they do tend to investigate these things internally, often bringing people down from Belfast. Um, So if there is controversy within the party, these Mm. guys come down and try and find it out. Now, I'm not having a go with Sinn Féin. This probably is something. No, I'm are. actually totally yeah, yeah. not having a go at them because no.
0: everybody was quite excited about this bit of the evidence, but I actually thought it looked quite good for Sinn Fein that they were actually yeah. questioning him. They'd realised he was a little bit bogey. Yeah. And they were trying to find out yeah. what well, it was. I mean some of the
1: controversy is caused with Sinn Fein in these cases because the be XIRA IRA guys come down. But they're not necessarily coming down to act the heavy they mm. come down. And of course Fina Gale if or Fina Fall or any of them if Their representatives get in trouble or there's rumors going around, they'll bring them in for discussions. Yeah. But that's obviously what was going on. Jonathan Dowdall, sorry, word of him, mm-hmm. word of his, his uh, not just being annoying but possibly bogey <laughs> was obviously getting out
0: more than irritating, yeah. Um, now, interestingly, again, for us train spotters and this, but Jerry Hutch says to um, Dowdall then that the Kinnahans want to stay in with Anthony Fitzgerald, yeah. Now, Fitzgerald obviously was the boxer who was. Due to fight the regency and retired just when immediately was, after. Yes. It.
1: I mean actually, if you heard, remember in the opening statement, he was one of the promoters of the the clash of the clans. He was the guy on the documents. And um, now Anthony Fitzgerald would have grown up very close to Jerry Hutch. He is a distant relation mm. of Jerry Hutch's, as far as we know. And um, he would have been. But he would have been one of the first boxers. Was he the very first boxer signed by well, MGM he was, Marbella? he was one
0: of them anyway. Yeah, he was one
1: of them, and he was one of the probably the first good boxers. Yeah. So the there was pride of Dublin
0: wasn't the, that his name. The
1: pride of Dublin, and he would have become uh, involved maybe in MGM mm. in a, in a different capacities. So he was obviously very close to Daniel Kinnan at one stage, but ultimately, yeah, you know, he 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 he. Uh, shortly after the regency, he resigned and left M- left MGM Marbella as it was and called And we certainly then. would have seen
0: him as being somebody who was, well, he was certainly living right within the heartland of the Hutch well, Territory. Did, and well,
1: I think ultimately he did cut ties with any of the Kinnan... I think he did. ...family, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. Now, um, this bit, I couldn't believe.
1: Yeah.
0: But Dowdall again initiates this conversation. And this is the second time. So initially he sort of brought up the Trevor Byrne situation or who we think is Trevor Byrne in yeah. Wexford and maybe, you know, attacking him or the caravan he's staying in um, and the next one he brings up and brings to the attention of Jerry Hodge is Bomber Kavanaugh. and he says that he goes to a yoke every year in Ennis now this conversation just comes out of the blue you know just bump yeah. we're in the middle of it and he says well at least his bird as he calls her is at it of course his bird, as they call her, is Joanne Byrne, sister of David Byrne, the murder victim at the centre of this case and wife of Bomber Kavna, now jailed for over 20 years for money laundering and drug trafficking in the UK. Bomber, of course, was the UK head of the Kinnahan organisation and the number two to Daniel Kinnahan. And Dowdall is saying to him, you know, I'm just saying, I know you don't want to do anything. You wouldn't want to do anything to the bird, but it's a big dance competition. And the conversation gets cut off then, because Jerry Hutch puts in and sort of he doesn't refer to it, but he says to him, "Look, Patsy's talking a bit about this peace process, and I want to see what these guys do, being the guys he's going to meet in the north." Um. Jonathan Dowdall says, to him, but how can you trust them, like as in the Kinahans, if you're going into a peace process? Yeah. You know, you'll get complacent, and, and the consequences for your family are that they'll be wiped out essentially. Jerry Hutch says to him, yes, there's a, you know, there's an awful lot to consider, and we have to consider the Kinehans' capabilities. Um, Jonathan Dowdall says a lot of people think them as to be a big army. So there's so many of them. And finally, Hutch talks about this kind of peace process as such, that's, you know what he believes to be it's in the it's in the process. And he says that um, you know, if they sit down at the table with the Kinnahans and uh he is going to demand that the two who tried to do him, as in to kill him in Lanzarote, that was the uh New Year's Eve before the Regency. And those who did Neddy, his brother Neddy, the hit team obviously, they have to go. He said that the the Ra would have to be at the meeting. And he makes a comment that the ones that are going to be killed, essentially, for this piece, that they won't matter because they're only hitmen. And Jonathan Dowdall then agrees that, uh, yeah, the Kinnehan's won't have a problem, you know, getting rid of them. So that was kind of um, the morning session. And then the afternoon um, was a little bit less fluid because there was a a witness brought back in again and that's to do with Hutch's um Hutch's defense team complex argument that this this audio shouldn't be allowed or this tracking device you know as long as they're in the north shouldn't be allowed but I suppose let me just have a look and see what interesting came up there in the afternoon um Yes, Dowdall discusses with <clears throat> with Hutch that Hutch has obviously been away, so he's unaware of what's going on at home. And he tells him that there's this kind of group of Southsiders who've set up a team monk. He has to repeat that to him a number of times. And that was a social media phenomenon, if you remember, that happened, that there was these sort of T-shirts being loosely um, designed online and put up on social media, which were Team Monk and Team Kinnahan. um Jerry Hutch doesn't engage with this. He doesn't like it. He says, I wouldn't be into that. Um, you know, he thinks that basically it's enough to see somebody dying, that you don't have to kind of, you know, I suppose, take it any further and, and make light of it. Um, he also then, they go on to talk about, like Dowdow's really gossipy actually and he's telling him all these stories and every story nearly he tells and we all know somebody like this but the story revolves around his wife so she's always somewhere or meets something or somebody or has been somewhere and then he tells the story on the back of that and this particular one he tells him is that the wife has been up to the graveyard and some relative of hers has buried a couple of plots up from uh, the victim David Byrne and she complains about the amount of uh, flowers on the grave and that they're spilling over onto other graves Waves. she sort of suggests or certainly Dowdall suggests to Hutch that this is crass and um you know the spend and the kind of the show and all of them wearing the glasses at the funeral the shades at the funeral it's actually Hutch himself complains about that he thinks they look stupid um and Dowdall sort of compliments him oh you were never like that um but he's all the time almost plamosing him you know along the way and doubt obviously clearly looks up to hutch is happy to be in his presence and is using his time with him to impress him with these stories so um you know that's uh that was pretty much it the rest was just you know nondescript conversations about conor mcgregor's fight and some of it is they actually get a little bit of silence during the car ride when um Dowdall obviously the monk either turns up the radio or something to get his give his headpiece and Dowdall stops talking for a while but that was kind of the the bulk of what was heard today but it was definitely quite sensational and um, interesting to see where their heads are at at this particular time um, in the proceedings so so close to the actual regency and you know in the wake of these guns being being found two days later seized two days later so there's going to be at least two more days of these tapes of these conversations and hopefully we'll be able to um, you know to to find more interesting snapshots of, of what they had to say on that famous journey so for today Niall Donald thank you very much You've been listening to Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent. Research Assistant is Clodamini If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.